In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I heard a joke this week that I can't get out of my head. It's so bad. And so I thought that perhaps if I used it in the sermon today, then it would exercise it from my mind with that warning. What does a Buddhist order at a hot dog cart? The Buddhist asks, make me one with everything. You get it. That idea of the unity of all things, being made one with everything, absolute wholeness, is not just a Buddhist concept. So often I I have friends who will um, sort of share with me what they are learning in in Zen or Buddhism or Hinduism or in yoga or in meditation, and I, I bite my tongue because it sounds wonderful and it's Christianity 101, but I don't say that. Instead, I'm mindful of how we've forgotten our own tradition, of how we sometimes allow other traditions to seem newer somehow, and and certainly they teach us and remind us. Um, But this idea that, that God is one and we are connected with God in a unity that cannot be shaken is, is, is throughout Christianity. Um, a church name, the Church of the Holy Trinity, can sound like three is important, yes, but it's three in one. God the creator, God the sustainer, God the, 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 the spirit, God, um, God the Christ, all are one God in different understandings, different manifestations, different ways that God moves in our life and in our world. One of my favorite stories from the desert tradition of Christianity, early Christianity, probably about the fourth century, is about a younger monk who is stalled out in his spiritual practice. Nothing seems to be working. (laughs) Scriptures sound boring. Prayer feels empty. Nothing is getting him closer to God the way it used to. And so he goes to see his teacher, and he says to the teacher, Abba, Father, um, I do what I can. What's wrong? What's missing? And the Abba, the father, says, well, tell me more. And the, the younger monk says, well, I, I say my prayers. I pray for other people. I fast a little here and there. I, I pray. I meditate. I live in peace as far as I can. I purify my thoughts. I, I give money. I give alms. What else can I do? The older teacher remains silent for a little while and then stands, and the older teacher stretches his hands toward heaven, and from each of his fingers burst flames. And then he says to the younger student, if you can, you must become all flame. Those stories from the desert tradition are always cryptic and strange and come to us a little like koans. Um, They can have many meanings, But among the meanings of this one, I think, is intended that we remember that that there is the possibility of being united with God, becoming all flame. And so that who we are and what we do is a part of who God is and what God does. 
that younger monk, had separated his various things. He had prayed, he had given alms, he had fasted. I could imagine if he went to a 360 life or career review day, he'd be asked to plot on a piece of paper a chart of his time, and he could show you exactly which pie pieces he used for what. A little bit here, a little bit there, some for God. That story from the desert tradition says that it's the goal, it's the intention, it's the purpose of God's creation that that all flow to God. In life and in death, we belong to God, the prayers remind us. Our bodies are God's, our dreams are God's dreams. Even our nightmares belong to God in some way. All that we ever were, all that we ever may be, God is the source and the creator. Isaiah understands this clearly in what we hear in today's first reading. God says, I call you by name. I surname you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me, so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one other besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form light. I create darkness. I make wheel. I create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. The Right Reverend uh, Richard Grine, the retired bishop of New York, several bishops back, used to say that often we bring to God our deepest questions. What should we do? What should I do? Should I do this degree? Should I pursue this person? Should I do this sort of work? Should I buy this apartment? Uh, Should I go on this experience? What should I do? All of our prayers often have those questions. And so we turn to God, what should I do? Bishop Grind said, so often God answers not with what we should do, but God answers by responding and reminding us who we are. What should I do? God says, you are beloved. You are mine. You're placed in this place. You're placed in this community. You're you're given this family. You're given these circumstances. You belong to me. The rest are details. God reminds us who we are. That's a part of what Jesus is saying in today's gospel. The Pharisees and their servants come to Jesus and sort of pester him throughout his ministry. The Pharisees get a bad rap in the Gospels and in much preaching, but the Pharisees probably were a lot like you and me. The Pharisees took their religion seriously. They did their best to to follow the teachings of God. They were basically very good people. But the Pharisees sometimes could get caught up on the letter of the law. They got bogged down by all the long list of shoulds. And so, so often when they're pestering Jesus, it's with these details of the, of the Mosaic law. What do you think, Jesus, about this or that or this detail or that? What about the woman who has sinned? Um, who gives you permission to preach the way you do? Why are you eating and drinking with sinners? Why do you do work on the Sabbath? On and on their questions go. And so then we get today's question to Jesus from these Pharisees. Should we pay our taxes to the emperor? 
It's an enormous question in Jesus' day. Remember, the emperor is the Roman emperor, and the areas of Jesus' day, Palestine of that day, were occupied territories then, as much of them are now. Then it was Rome that was in charge and controlling all that the people could do or say. That's why a Jewish tax collector was the most hated because that person was the sellout to the authorities, was working for the Roman Empire, exacting taxes from fellow Jews. And so this question is a huge one. Should faithful Jews pay taxes to an evil empire? It gets our question, it gets our attention for other reasons, doesn't it? Um, Money is so often the object of our prayers, the object of our worry, the object of our hope, our energy, our anxiety. We spend so much time thinking about making more money, making it differently, spending it, saving it, sharing it. Who has more than I do? Who has less? Am I getting what I deserve? On and on and on the questions go. Money always gets our attention, doesn't it? This gospel reading about giving to the emperor or rendering under Caesar in the older versions of scripture is one that is often talked about in churches about this time of year. It coincides with our stewardship campaigns as vestries and budget and finance committees are trying to put together a budget for next year. Uh, We ask the congregation to make a pledge to tell us what they can give next year. And so we continue asking that in the coming weeks. The reading and the preaching of this parish, this, this, um, this, this, this passage often carries with it the not-so-subtle message of, you have pledge packets, please fill out a pledge card. <laughs> but to read this scripture and only think of money is to miss the point, I think. It's to miss the overall point of Jesus. It's to miss the whole gospel. It's to miss what faith is about. That Pharisee asks Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, that ruler who calls himself a god? And then Jesus sort of toys with the questioner just a bit. He says, well, whose face is on the coin? What does the inscription say? If it's Caesar's, it must belong to Caesar. If it's God's, then it must belong to God. But the question Jesus really answers is a larger one. Never mind about coins, Jesus seems to say. Never mind whose inscription is on, the, is on the coin, but Jesus asks all of us, whose inscription is on you? <laughs> to whom do you belong? Whose am I? Am I one with God? That's Jesus' point here. It's not about separating, uh, separating out what belongs to the state and what belongs to me. It's all God's. <laughs> So those details are insignificant, really. It's not a pie graph. It's a pie, and it's all God's. And so, yes, we share, but we remember that it's all God's that we share. We are temporary custodians, temporary stewards. It's hard to remember in any age. It's especially hard to remember in our age in this city. St. Augustine wrote, Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O God. 
And at the heart of hearts, each of us knows the truth of that saying, that if we take seriously that we belong to God, there is a resting place that we can find ourselves in. Uh, Perspective opens up and all the details sort themselves out. Again, back to that phrase of Bishop Grimes, we ask God what we should do and God answers by telling us who we are. God says, you are my beloved. You're the one for whom I've risked creation itself. You're the one for whom I have died and risen again. You're the one I love now and forever. And so it's out of the strength of that identity, of of baptized, of being claimed and created by God, that we can begin to imagine how we can be helpful in God's creation here and elsewhere. We look to God for blessings, whether we use a a little book or or just the thoughts or the hopes of simple prayers. We, We offer our blessings to God. We look to God to bless every aspect of our lives, our life and death and new resurrected life in Christ. But what does it mean to live as though we're one with God? What does it mean to live in gratitude for all that God gives us? that moves through our hands, through our lives, all that we share. And how can we share with others? We're invited to render unto God what is God's, presenting all our lives and our very selves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and that is our spiritual worship. That's the essence of what Jesus is saying. That's the essence of what it means to be stewards of all creation, all that we are and all that we might be. May the Holy Spirit continue to move within us to help us to understand ourselves as one with the one God and Father of all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.